Well, I wish you good morning. It is indeed Palm Sunday today. It is the uh, uh, beginning of our big week as we kind of, in the church season, if you're a Christian, if you're familiar with the Christian tradition, this is kind of a big Sunday because it starts for us what is sometimes called Holy Week. Uh, We call it around here Easter Week. And it is uh, a week from today, something really big, really huge that Christians all over the world are going to be celebrating to, to, together and, and worldwide. Uh, we call it Easter. You ever heard of Easter before? One week from today is Easter. So start getting pumped, start getting excited as we revisit the story, the Christian story of what Christ has done in our world and therefore now in, in our own lives. And so what happens is the Christian community, if you're a Christian, you get together with other Christians. And this week particularly is a special week we revisit the story of what took place leading up to Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his eventual resurrection. So I want to invite you back. We are going to have a couple different uh, parts in the week where we are going to be gathering here at Christ Church. We invite you to be a part of. Uh, we, first one is on Thursday night at 7 p.m. We are going to be celebrating together uh, the story of how Jesus implemented the Lord's Supper. It's a huge part of who we are here at Christ Church. We celebrate this every week. If you want to come and be a part of that it's seven o'clock on thursday Uh, on good friday is going to be another service where we uh, look to and turn our attentions to the crucifixion and the story of christ's death Uh, there'll be a service there as well I believe there are two services on Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. We get together one more time for a big hoopla and saying praise God because we look forward to the resurrection. We look forward to the resurrection a week from now. But we're not there yet, okay? So don't start thinking resurrection yet. He's not even dead or in the grave yet, okay? I mean, he is, but you know what I mean, okay? Today's Palm Sunday. I'm getting ahead of myself. Today is Palm Sunday, and it's the Sunday that really begins uh, the rest of the week. So... Uh, it goes by a bunch of different, uh, different names. Oh, there we go. There's our theme, by the way. I'm sorry. Our theme for kind of the Easter week that we're taking on, the uh, Easter season for you, is you can't keep a God-man down. It's good, isn't it? I like it. I think it's fun. I think it's a, I think it's a really good one. It, uh, we can't, you're not going to keep the God-man, Jesus Christ, down. And so we're going to be studying that, kind of looking at that today and on into the rest of the week. And then Easter Sunday, you can't keep a God-man down. But uh, Palm Sunday goes by a bunch of different names. Uh, it's a historical event that uh, is accounted in all four of the Gospels. And so if you have a Bible, if you're familiar with your Bible, uh, if you're not familiar, you should start reading it. It's amazing the stuff that's in there. Uh, four different times it describes what we're celebrating today, Palm Sunday. It goes by a couple different names, Palm Sunday, the day of the triumphal entry uh, Passion Sunday, uh, because it's the beginning of the Passion Week, uh, Sunday of the Palms, uh, and of course, Palm Sunday. And the reason it's referred to as Palm Sunday, it comes out of Matthew chapter 21. There's a specific verse that uh, it comes from. It says here, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees. Guess what kind of trees? If you had to place a bet on what kind of trees, they were... Very good, palm trees, and they spread them out on the road. And so, because we looked to Matthew in this, and uh, the Christian church kind of picked up on this, and so, um, sometimes even at at the 8 o'clock, we were handing out palms. You might see some laying around. Uh, Palms were a big part of the celebratory experience uh, back in the story, and so it is still called, to this day, Palm Sunday. But let me give you a little bit more context of what is taking place on Palm Sunday. 
Jesus, by now, at this point in his life, is an adult. He is in his early 30s. And he has been ministering over the past three years. He's been walking around in the countryside, teaching, preaching, and gathering followers, and and really changing lives. I mean, he's been healing people. He's been casting out demons. And people really started to take note who this Jesus is. He's got a pretty good following going over a three-year period. And so uh, his followers, man, they're all over the board. I love it. They're like, they got rich, the poor, the good, the bad. Everybody loves this guy. Even, even tax collectors, the IRS love this guy. I mean, that's something to say, right? And so everybody is really getting interested in who this Jesus is. And they, they're really beginning to love him and, and in turn be loved by him. And so he's got a big following going uh, at this point in time in his ministry and life. Now, while he does have a lot of fans, kind of Jesus fans, there is also an anti-Jesus movement. He's made a lot of enemies, okay? He's got enemies out there that are not so excited about who Jesus is and the teachings that he's promoting and bringing about. He's making wild and outlandish claims about God and being God, and he's healing people, and people are like, there's a whole anti-Jesus movement They were made up of the religious elite, uh, political persons at that time as well. And the religious elite and the uh, political parties uh, would have been Rome, um, really were not big fans of his. They were worried that he was going to start a rebellion. And so they, they, they start gathering followers as well. And start, you start to see this tension growing between Jesus and his followers and the religious elite and the government. And their followers. And you see this coming to a head right around Palm Sunday. Eventually on Good Friday itself. So that's kind of what's been, what's been happening. Let me take you to the text, to the story uh, for today. The story of Palm Sunday. Again, it's in all four different, it's in four different places in the Bible. I just chose one. So here's one uh, part. Jesus has um, come to Jerusalem. Jesus and his followers have come. He's come out of the countryside and he's moving towards the urban Jerusalem. And uh, the reason that he's coming to Jerusalem is because that is the seat of power for the anti-Jesus movement. The anti-Jesus people, they hang out in Jerusalem. That is the political seat of power. That is the religious seat of power. And so Jesus has been out in the backwater, the back country, and he starts moving his way towards Jerusalem. The seat of power. And so in that process, that's where we pick this up as he is entering Jerusalem. Then the disciples or some of his followers brought a donkey. They brought a a, a baby donkey to him. They brought a baby donkey to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on top of the colt, they set Jesus on this donkey, on this colt. And he began to ride along. And the people kept spreading their cloaks out on the ground. You can picture this in your mind. And, and, And as he was approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives... The whole multitude of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen Jesus been doing over these past few years. And they were shouting his praises saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Jesus, you're awesome. We worship you. Come and be our king. Come and be our our one and only king. Jesus, Lord, Master, Savior, come, Jesus, and save us. 
Save us from the Romans. Save us from the religious elite. And be our king. Well, the Pharisees are standing there. The Pharisees are some of the religious elite. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. You can begin to see and feel kind of the tension that is building as Jesus is now really uh, laying down the gauntlet. He's, he's coming against the seat of power. He is walking intentionally into their area, their space. He does not have home team advantage. And he is intentionally coming to Jerusalem. I'm not huge for analogies. I'm not really big on the sports analogies typically in sermons, but I got a good one for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, now approaching the ring, weighing in at 168 pounds, the future champion of the world, the carpenter from Nazareth, you know him, Jesus, the God-man Christ! Woo! I have always wanted to do that. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that's what's happening. That's what's taking place. Jesus is approaching the ring. Jesus is coming into town. He's approaching the ring. There's a challenge that's been thrown... And Jesus, Jesus is not backing down from the challenge that is in front of him. The religious elite, the political powers, and even behind them, underneath them, we begin to see as we read the story that evil itself, evil itself is challenging Jesus. Saying, yeah, you come to town. We'll show you who's boss. And Jesus is taking him up. He's doing it. He's taking up the challenge. Jesus knows and understands that he is about to go toe-to-toe. Toe-to-toe. With not only the political and religious elite, but he is about to go toe-to-toe with evil. Death itself. He is about to fight. Because the gauntlet has been thrown. The challenge has been made. Jesus knows the challenge that is laid out in front of himself. In fact, he knows it so intimately and truthfully in its fullness that he actually predicts his death three times prior to this event. Where he says, I'm going to be going to Jerusalem, guys. And when I get there, they're going to hate me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to beat me. They're going to whip me. And eventually, they're going to crucify me. He knows exactly the challenge that has been laid out. That he is now choosing to face. You see, Jesus is choosing willingly to rise to the challenge that's been made. 
I like that. I get excited about that. I get excited that Jesus didn't tiptoe around Jerusalem. I mean, I get pumped up by the fact that Jesus didn't put his head down, didn't roll over, didn't put his tail between his legs and go back out to the backwater in the back country. He didn't, he didn't go down in history as, as this mediocre guy who did some sort of cool stuff and said some really maybe possibly meaningful things. He didn't go down in history as this peasant boy who almost made it but then bailed. Jesus Christ rose to the challenge willingly facing it. I like that because I know what it's like to face challenges. Do you? You know what it's like to face a challenge? You've had a challenge in your life, have you not? You've experienced difficulty and hardship. Oh my gosh, I know it's true. I know that you have because I talk to you and you talk with me. And just this past week, twice in the last 10 days, I've talked to two different gentlemen who have both lost their jobs. They went to bed one morning, they woke up the next morning, and now they don't have the job and the security and the provision for their own families. Is that a challenge? You bet. I was talking with another guy just uh, two weeks ago. We were praying together about one of his friends who's facing trouble with his marriage. And the marriage is, is broken down to such a degree that they were thinking about throwing in the towel. Thinking about giving up and walking away. Because the challenge was there to recover and, and reestablish and try to bring new life into a marriage that had disintegrated. And, and, and they had a choice to rise to that challenge or not. I just spoke with a mom. It must have been, uh, forget, forget me how, recently. It was recently. I spoke with this mom. She came in and it was such a great conversation. But she really bore her heart to me because she was facing a challenge. Her child struggles with anxiety. Significant anxiety. To the point where it's, it, 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 it's, it's manifesting itself and becoming a, a block as it relates to relationships and friendships and, and, and in the school and in classrooms. And, and she's worried as a mom, what do you do? Pastor, I'm facing this challenge. What do I do? How do I do this? I don't even know that I can. Maybe I should give up. Maybe I should throw in the towel. The challenge is laid out before me. And I don't know if I have the strength to rise to that challenge. You know what challenges are like. Because you've experienced them. You can empathize with Jesus. And he can empathize with you. You've had challenges in your work environments. You've had challenges in your home environments. You've had challenges as you go about your normal daily life. You have faced difficult moments. I mean, we just spent five weeks preaching and teaching, looking at together the, the fact that our, that our culture is facing challenges. Is it not? I mean, you, we, we just talked about how there are five forgotten virtues, virtues that seem to be disappearing in today's modern society and modern world. That culture itself not only is culture a challenge, but it's facing challenges. Challenges are a reality of our world. 
And I can empathize with Jesus facing a challenge. And I take great comfort and strength that he also knows what it's like to face a challenge. Part of the reason that we picked this theme, you can't keep a God-man down, is because Jesus, Jesus always rises to the challenge. He doesn't give in. He doesn't give up. He doesn't turn tail and run. Jesus has this chance and this challenge in front of him. And he chooses to enter Jerusalem, the seat of power for all of his enemies, and face it. Face the challenge. He can't keep a God-man down. He's too busy getting up, standing up, walking forward and facing challenges. I find this to be good news to me personally, and I hope to you as well, that Jesus Christ rose to the challenge. And because Jesus rose to the challenge, because you can't keep him down, because you can't keep a God-man down, in the same way, that means for you and I, You can't keep God's man down. You can't keep God's woman down. You, you can rise to the challenge and face the difficult moments in your own life because Christ has gone before you and now lends his strength and his courage to you as well as his follower. Because Christ had the courage to face the challenge, he now looks at you as his daughter, as his son, as his follower, and he says, I will be with you as you face your challenges. I will strengthen you as you face the challenges in your day. I will be beside you. When you enter the ring, I'm going to be there. I'm in your corner. I'm not giving up on you. I will rise to the challenge and give you my strength so that you might face your own challenge. That we can do that together. Another way of saying it is this. You can face the challenges that you find in your life. You can face the challenges in your life with the same God-man who rode on a donkey centuries, millennia ago, facing his challenge. That same God-man is at your side, in the ring, fighting for you, rising beside you to your own challenge. You can't keep a God-man down. And because you can't keep Jesus down, you can't keep his people down. We rise to our own challenges with the same courage and strength Christ himself exhibits. We do this because it is not us in and of ourselves facing the challenge, but Christ in us. Christ through us. 
I'm going I'm to give you just two quick things that I hope will be helpful as you face challenges in your life that I encourage you to do. Simple practices, simple things that really help when you're facing a challenge. First one, get perspective from Scripture. If you're facing a challenge right now, you're facing a difficulty right now, turn to God's Word, turn to it's the Bible. It goes by a lot of names. Christians, we, we use Christianese. We call it a bunch of funny things. If you need a Bible, take it with you as you go. There's, there are some on the back. There's some up in the conference room upstairs. You find a Bible, take it, put your name in it, start reading it, make it your own. See what is in there and begin to draw strength from Christ as he speaks to you through these stories and these words. Turn and get some perspective from Scripture. On the back side of your half sheet, there are a couple of scriptures that we're going to go through right now that I have found in my own personal journey something of encouragement and something that gives me strength. And so just as those words have been given to me, I now give words to you. These are some that have been meaningful to me. First one comes out of Colossians 1.27. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. The God-man, Jesus Christ, who faced the challenge, lives in you. And in doing so, you now have assurance of sharing in his glory. Here's another one, Ephesians 3. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, this is uh, the Apostle Paul, this is a guy named Paul writing to another group of Christians facing challenges. This is what Paul writes about Jesus. I, Paul, pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, this is speaking of Jesus, he will empower you with inner strength through his own spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and they will keep you Strong. Here's another one. This is a personal favorite. This one I, I memorized this early on. That's one that I carry with me and I have turned to countless times. Second Timothy one seven. In those moments when you're facing challenges, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling like you don't know where to go, what to do, where to turn, can I make it? Read this verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Turn to the religious scriptures, turn to your scripture, the Bible, when you are facing challenges, and it will truly empower you as Christ speaks through it into your life and reminds you that he and his spirit is with you as you face the challenge. Here's another simple thing that I've taken to doing lately. Uh, Those of you who are doing the one-on-one discipleship thing, this is a shout-out to the discipleship experience. Um... There's a part in there. I'm going through it right now with someone, with Greg and I, and we are. Um, there's this drawing, and I have found this drawing very helpful, even recently, as I'm facing challenges. And, and what the drawing does is it helps get, it puts into perspective what Christ has done and his his success and his glory and my challenges. 
the way I say it is like this. Put your challenge and your success in perspective of Christ's own challenges and success. Put your challenge in perspective with what Christ has done and accomplished in our world and in your own life already. You see, sometimes in life, this is how life feels. It feels like if your life is the outer circle, and when you look at your life, all you can see are the challenges. They fill up the whole circle. The challenges and the struggles and the overwhelming and the frustration, the challenges fill up the whole life. And so when you look at your life, you say, my gosh, it's just so hard. I get so frustrated. I can't believe I got to go to work again. I can't believe I got to go home again. I can't keep doing this. The challenge is too great. I should throw in the towel. Well, it's because you're only looking at your challenge. You need to get some perspective. You need to zoom out and look and see at the full picture of what God has done in your life and will continue to do what he has promised you. He has promised you things like purpose, life change, forgiveness, hope, peace, generosity, joy, love, care, eternity. He has promised those things to you. These are a part of your life. And all of a sudden, the challenges, they don't, they don't look so big, do they? They don't look so overwhelming, do they? When you put them in perspective. I've actually done this. Like, I have sat down and wrote out in a small circle what my challenges are, what I'm feeling, what I'm going through. And then I started writing around it, all the other stuff. My entire day changed as I put into perspective the reality and the knowledge Jesus Christ has risen to the challenge, the greatest challenge. He has faced death itself and evil in our world. He has faced brokenness and he has come out as victor. And he now claims me as his child in victory. And so this is what my life is like. Yes, I have challenges. My life is more than just challenge. You can't keep a God-man down. And because you can't keep a God-man down, you can't keep God's man or God's woman down. You. I pray that you might be strengthened by this as you face the challenges in your week. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift that you have given us in your son, Jesus. Jesus, we say, Hosanna. We worship you. We praise you. And we thank you that you chose to rise to the challenge. You did not run to the countryside, you did not escape somewhere safe, but instead you rose to the challenge to face the seat of power, not of just the religious elite and political authorities. You faced evil itself, rising to the challenge. Empower us now by your spirit with that same attitude and that same courage and determination. Empower us with your own spirit that we might rise to the challenges in our lives 
and in this world. And that ultimately, your kingdom might be manifest and come in and through us. We ask and pray this through your name and by your power. Amen.